This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. This is the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. I hope everyone is enjoying their day so far. It's a wonderful day here in New York City. And as always, we're armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. There is so much that happened this week in America, including uh, the head of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, who was uh, grilled at a hearing in uh, Washington regarding the border. And uh, he continued with his claim that the border is secure. Uh, and the amazing part of it is that, uh, you know, the, the there is an effort on the part of Congress to impeach him. The issue, of course, is whether or not the Senate uh, will join in, and that's really questionable. But I got to tell you, folks, who of you out there believes that the border is secure? Who of you out there thinks that Mayorkas is doing his job? Because since he's come in, about four million illegals have come into the country. Uh, we're not vetting them. We can't even assimilate them. I mean, think about it. In New York City, Mayor Adams, now he's trying to look for federal money because New York City can't afford them. But in addition to those four million, there is a backlog of two million. That's right. Two million immigration cases. That means that the courts can't keep up with even hearing the cases. And if that's not bad enough, there are at least 400 thousand of them who are convicted criminal aliens most of these people folks we know nothing about and i get it i mean we do uh, employ many of them and there isn't uh you know there is room for many of them but at the same time we have to recognize 90 percent of the heroin that comes into this country comes through the southern border but it's not just heroin folks it's fentanyl now and the cartels are in charge of the border the human trafficking is beyond imagination where young girls are raped and they're held in a life of slavery and servitude and the migrants now we find out this week are being used in child labor camps they're, they're the new york times is saying this they're alone and exploited the abuse of migrant children now i want to tell you folks when i was in uh i was on the border about three years ago when i had my show justice and i spoke to a woman there who said to me and she had been working with many of the children she said you know janine there is no way that we are vetting who these children are because we know there are unaccompanied minors coming in. But there are these groups of adults who come in and say, oh, those are our nieces, those are our nephews. We're not monitoring them. We're not even taking fingerprints or DNA of the children. This is what she told me 
as sure as I'm, I am standing here talking to you now. And it is now a, a confirmation that these kids are being basically uh, absconded with and being used in overnight uh, uh, slaughterhouses. They're being used to replace roofs, operate machinery, uh, all kinds of abusive work. And since 1938, the United States has outlawed child labor. But these children are being used and abused. And this guy Mayorkas sits there and smugly looks at the Congress people and is like, no, the border is secure. We are doing our best to secure it. And everything that's wrong with it, of course, is the prior administrations, which was able to uh, cut back on the number of immigrants coming in until one uh, a congressperson said, I want you to apologize face to face to a family where a grandmother and seven-year-old were killed by uh, an immigrant who was, uh, who was driving and being chased. And, you know, he, he had to come face-to-face with them, killed by a human smuggler right near the border. I mean, you know, he just continues with the lie that the border is secure. Uh, and this poor family came because they wanted closure and they wanted answers. All right, so that's on the border issue. At least as important is an IRS whistleblower who now claims that the Hunter Biden investigation was mishandled by the Biden administration. Shock, right? You're not shocked? I'm not shocked. His attorney has come forward and says that his client is not political. He doesn't care about Republicans or Democrats. He's just an IRS criminal supervisory agent who's seeking whistleblower protection because what he wants is to be able to talk about the fact that he can contradict sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee. And you know who that appointee is, folks? Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States. Now the council has indicated and uh, that uh, he will contradict sworn testimony and uh, his testimony uh, will involve the failure on the part of the Biden administration to mitigate clear conflicts of interest in the disposition of the Hunter Biden case and detail examples of preferential treatment and politics improperly infecting decisions. So what you've got is this guy who's like, I need whistleblower protection. I don't want to be fired. And it's up to the uh, inspector general of the, uh, 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 of the, in the Biden administration and that department to decide. But folks, is it any surprise to anyone? I mean, the guy owes $2 million in taxes, paid it well after, it was due, and just about anybody else gets indicted for that. Take it from me as truth. And then finally, we've got a former CIA uh, deputy director, Mike Morell, who comes in and says, oh, yeah, that, that letter that we put together about 51 intel agents where we said that uh, it was Russian disinformation, that that Hunter Biden laptop was just not real stuff. Well, we pretty much... Uh, You know, we knew it wasn't true, but Anthony Blinken, a political operative, came to them and said, we need this for the election. We need you guys to sign this letter. And Mike Morrell swore before Congress under oath, and he's a Democrat. Uh, It's stuff that you really have to be concerned about. So 
we've got a lot of problems in America, I tell you folks, but no one's surprised. It's an unequal balance of power in terms of the criminal justice system. Some people are held accountable and others are not. And it's usually the Democrats who get away with it. So we're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk to Congressman Darrell Issa, uh, uh, who sits on the Judiciary Committee with Jim Jordan on what they're doing about all this, uh, including uh, the subpoenaing of uh, D.A. Bragg in the Donald uh, Trump case. And uh, we're going to talk about Mike Morell saying that 51 intel agents were not truthful when they signed that letter and whether or not uh, Hunter Biden is in addition getting a favorable treatment uh, pursuant to the uh, Biden administration's handling of his case. That was five years in the making, and nobody is talking about it. And up next on the Judge Jeanine Tumulter Towers Foundation show, I'm going to be speaking with Kat Timp. Now, Kat Timp, you may know her from Fox, is a uh, is an individual uh, who is on the Gutfeld exclamation show who's written a book and she's hysterical folks she's got a take on all kinds of political issues you're going to enjoy this interview coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network Judge Janine This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a television personality, a reporter, and a comedian. She is co-host on Fox News' Gutfeld. And her new book is called, You Can't Joke About That, Why Everything is Funny, Nothing is Sacred, and We're All in This Together. Join me in welcoming Kat Timp to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Let me tell you a little bit about Kat. Uh, For the past eight years, she has been bringing her unique brand of comedy to shows like Red Eye and Gutfeld on Fox News, and it is a top-rated late-night show, and she and her colleagues bring insight into the day's biggest news story. But what I love is her new book, folks. You got to get it because it's an easy read. Uh, It is Cat's voice through and through. And she stresses the the importance of destigmatizing sacrosanct sensitive subjects in the interest of unity and healing. And she is a libertarian and she draws uh, parallels between comedy and religion. And uh, I I love Kat, everybody. Uh, You will love her too if you haven't already seen her on on Fox News. All right, Kat. So your book, You Can't Joke About That, is doing very well. It's number one on Amazon. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it's it's doing very well, and I'm and it, you know, I, I'm so excited because uh, if you read the book, you'll see it was a you know a long hard road to get here, and I, I really couldn't be happier because of the message of the book. Also, um, all, every tough thing I've been through has been made easier by being able to laugh at it and make jokes about it. But more and more, I've noticed that when I do make jokes about difficult things, even if I'm the one that went through them. People will say to me, oh, you can't joke about that. That's not funny. <laughs> and I'm like, but, but it's my thing. Um, and it doesn't make any sense because these people consider themselves to be sensitive. And yeah. really, they're actually bullying me for the way that I deal with my own trauma. Well, you know what's interesting, Kat? I mean, for me, 
I was, you know, I was a prosecutor and, and then the DA. And of course, you go to homicide scenes and, and you yeah. see the worst of the worst. I mean, you know, everybody thinks politics is bad. Try crime for a while, although yeah. sometimes you can't tell the difference. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've seen some horrific things, some horrible things that um, one of my girlfriends said to me, you know, Janine, you haunted me for years when you would tell me stories when you were the DA. Yeah. But humor is a release. It's not laughing at someone. It's the way right. we cope. And it allows us to process things. But you learned this very early on. Talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. When I was living in Los Angeles, I was about 21, 22 years old. I was working as a cashier. I had my boyfriend from college. He dumped me. And then I was broke and alone and um, living in a horrible apartment and, you know, bad conditions. And that's when I started doing stand-up comedy. And I would make <laughs> jokes about because <laughs> I had to. I would make jokes about all of these things I was going through. And there's a lot more than that. I get into it all in the book. And it just gave me this sense of power over the things that were making me feel so powerless. And yeah. also, I felt like making people laugh. It was also my means of connection during that time. And also, you're not alone. I mean, I've had people who work in law enforcement, people who work in, you know, healthcare and emergency rooms and that sort of thing all reach out to me and say that they've read my book and they couldn't agree more and they deal with it the same way. I mean, people who are in the military, it's such a common thing. And I think we all can relate to it, but a lot of people are afraid to admit that these days. Yeah, they are. They're afraid of being canceled. And, you know, I yep. have to tell you, Kat, that, uh, and by the way, everybody, she said when she was 21 years old, she's 34 now. The only, I hope, <laughs> the only reason I say yeah. that is because it's in your, in your CV here. I mean, she's still a very yeah. young woman. And, <laughs> um, you know, but the truth is that for, for a lot of people, irrespective, as you say, of what their job is. I mean, we need a little humor, but you're so afraid of being canceled. You're so afraid that, you know, you're not going to make it if you keep saying things. Uh, but your book is really, a, it's an easy read, folks, and it's its a good read. But Kat, I mean, you were also an incredibly bright person. And you can, you know, once in a while, you'll be on The Five, uh, and yeah. once in a while, I'm on Gutfeld. And I've always impressed with how you kind of assimilate the news uh, with a little bit of humor. So let's talk for a moment about AI. Now, let me just say to my listeners, AI, uh, this artificial intelligence stuff is really creepy. On the one hand, you know, it's great. Students can get their papers written uh, by uh, chat GPT. Uh, and Elon Musk is talking about his own GPT. Uh, but AI is weirder than that. Talk about it, Kat. It's so weird because when we talked about robots forever, we're talking about robots taking the jobs of, you know, service industry workers, like cashiers not having a job or stuff like that. But now AI is, you know, pulling from music to make music, pulling from different songs from different artists. There was that one from Drake in the Weekend that came out that sounded exactly like them. Uh, Joe Rogan was able to create a podcast that wasn't really him, but taken from other things he said. It's really, really creepy, but it's not It's not going to stop. I mean, I know that Elon Musk and others have said, we got to kind of watch this. We shouldn't be doing this. But as long as there's money to be made somewhere, all it you know, people are going to do it. People are going to, this is not stopping. Well, yeah, it's not stopping. And, you know, and when Elon Musk was interviewed by Tucker Carlson uh, this past week, uh, it aired on a Fox in primetime. It was kind of scary when he said it has the capacity of being a civilization uh, destroyer. 
that kind of scared me. And then when you realize that the same AI that we're dealing with, China's dealing with it, is China, you know, they, they say we should have a pause. You think we should have a pause? Well, I think that I, I do have a pause. I think that we should have a pause. But I also think that that's not going to be realistic because all it takes is for one person who's interested yeah. in this to develop it. So I think that we've never been able to pause technology. I mean, I mean, innovation is, is good overall, but this in particular does kind of creep me out, right? It's, it's so crazy how something can look so real and sound so real, but it's not. And it's, it's, it's crazy, but we're not going to be able to stop it because there's money to be made and there's people whose jobs will be made easier for this. Um, I guess no matter what the cost, otherwise, that always is what ends up winning out in the end. Yeah, well, I guess Elon Musk is going to do his truth AI to combat, you know, the 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 programming of of AI, because if you go to AI to get information or have them do something, they are only as good uh, or will respond only with the information that they've been programmed to respond with to. So it can be a left, it could be the right, you know, and all this stuff about a pause. You think China's pausing? Not a chance. Well, we had, no. well, the, the kids were out of school. Uh, kids in China were, you know, um, you know, hitting the uh, books and doing very well. But it will revolutionize our everyday lives. And, uh, you know, I, I worry about the robots. I really do. But once in a while, Kat, Tim, I got to tell you, I liked seeing uh, a robot at a crime scene where a police can't go in because it's too dangerous. What do you, so there's some good. I mean, it's, it's going to revolutionize everything. I, I think that it's happening so quickly, too. I, I think, I mean, ChatGPT, we just kind of started talking about, and now it's actually everywhere. Yeah. Um, when we just started talking about AI in, as an idea, and now it's everywhere that we're seeing it in music, we're seeing it in art. So when it comes to police and things like that, it's like, I don't, I don't even know if we have laws governing that yet. You know, it's, it's the technology is happening faster than, than, you know, the legislation can keep up. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it was the same with the internet. And I'm older than you are, uh, Kat. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, we had, we had crimes that were more advanced and laws that didn't prevent them. Uh, and so you absolutely have to try to legislate to keep up with, with the kinds of crimes that are occurring. And, you know, in fact, there was a, uh, criminals are now using it, uh, the voice of a child or a grandchild and uh you know calling someone and saying if you don't give us money take a listen this is your grandchild your grandson your granddaughter give us money i mean criminals are going to be on top of this like white on rice really i had not heard about that that is terrifying yeah well it's real believe me criminals are usually ahead of the game they were with the internet that's true that's true (laughs) i mean that's wild Kat Tim, yeah. thanks so much for joining us, and good luck on the book tour. And Thank you. You're welcome, Kat. Up next here on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with Congressman Daryl Issa from the Judiciary Committee. They're the committee that's hearing all of that stuff uh, in Washington that is the subject of a great deal of controversy. He is coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. 
Welcome back to the Judge Jameen Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is the U.S. Representative for California's 50th Congressional District. Please join me in welcoming Congressman Daryl Issa to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers show. And let me just tell you a little bit about uh, Congressman Issa. He is a veteran congressman. Uh, he's one of the brightest people in Congress as far as I'm concerned. Um, he has been very consistent uh, with his campaign promises to restore independence of the Justice Department. And for years, he has been on committees where he has proven that time and time again. Uh, what, what I'd like to talk to the congressman about today, everyone, is what seems to be going on in Congress, specifically as it relates to uh, Hunter Biden and a whistleblower's attorney who has come forward and indicated that he has information, uh, not just what he is saying, but that he has documents and emails that will prove that the Hunter Biden investigation that was in a grand jury from July, I believe, of 2018, and the grand jury has completed its work, but information that the case wasn't handled properly uh, and that uh, he is looking for whistleblower status before he comes out and says what it is he knows. Congressman, welcome. Talk to us about that situation. Well, it's an unusual one, uh, Judge. As you know, the workings of uh, uh, of grand juries are supposed to be secret. But most importantly, uh, they're supposed to there's a requirement that you as the prosecutor go in there and give a fair amount of of information. In other words, you give both sides at least reasonably in order to get an indictment. Um, as you know, you can indict a bologna sandwich if you give the right information to a uh, uh, grand jury. You can also acquit if you give deliberately the wrong information, even if it's true. Mm-hmm. That's what we're concerned about is, was there interference at the highest levels, perhaps even the attorney general, with the process of what the grand jury got? Well, and, and the, 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 it seems to be that Mark Little, or Lytle, who is the whistleblower's attorney, has come forward and he says, look, my client, who is a high-ranking IRS uh, uh, or I should say a high-ranking FBI official, uh, it doesn't care about politics one way or the other. He just says that this case was treated differently. And the fact that we haven't heard one way or the other more than five years later on situations that it is obvious there are problems. I mean, Hunter Biden didn't pay his taxes uh, until well after they were due of $2 million. I know of people who paid far less than that and were indicted when they did pay their taxes. And, you know, this whistleblower knows he's going to be attacked, and so he's afraid of coming forward. Who makes the decision as to whether or not the whistleblower is protected? It's a complex problem. As you know, the, all the power to indict or to mistreat uh, federal workers or anyone belongs with the president of the United States and his derivative powers through the attorney general. And when I say that, I say it quite seriously. Congress has an ability to essentially petition for whistleblower status, and we have a history of getting it. We have a history of protecting them, but we have to get it from, in this case, potentially the same organization that may have, in fact, uh, crossed the line in interfering with uh, a legitimate and very sensitive investigation, one that involves real criminal behavior. You know, you don't owe almost $2 million to the IRS 
based on things you didn't declare uh, and not have crossed the line. Yes. Well, I think it's pretty clear about that. But also, Congressman Darrell Issa, uh, we also have a, uh, a scenario where uh, there is uh, uh, an issue before the Judiciary Committee that you're sitting on right now where um, there is an indication that the 51 intel agents, and I know this is old news and sometimes people are just tired of it, but the 51 intel agents are saying that it was Anthony uh, not they're not saying it, but Mike Morell, a former CIA chief, is saying that it was Anthony Blinken who was the one who started the request to get all these 51 intel agents to uh, falsely discredit a New York Post story regarding Hunter Biden's laptop as supposed Russian information. Now, you and I both know from the from the stats, Congressman, I said that this could have changed very well a presidential election based on people who were polled who said, look, I might have changed my vote had I known about that. Well, I don't think there's any question at all. If, if people knew the truth of what uh, was in the Hunter Biden laptop and that it was true, uh, it would have dramatically changed their view of the now president of the United States from, you know, Uncle Joe to a silent partner in criminal behavior and, and, and making money by dealing with some of the worst nations on earth, uh, you know, including Russia and China. Uh, but the interesting thing is Tony Blinken is today a cabinet officer, but he's historically been a staff person and an operative. So it doesn't surprise me that they would use him to cobble together first some Democrat uh, intel people and then some people who, quite frankly, I think just signed on because other people had signed on. Congressman, I say it's very disconcerting to think that former CIA officials and we're talking about uh, former CIA directors who are willing to put their name to something. And if you give them the benefit of the doubt, as you do or you may, where uh, the other guy signed it, maybe I'll sign it. But they had to know that this was a tight election. They knew uh, that the uh, New York Post story, and they were, you know, in a position where if they if published anything incorrect, they could be sued. I mean, I, I, I think it's just political horrorism, W-H-O-R-E, I guess, to the extent that they signed this to get their guy in. And when a former CIA deputy director, Mike Morrell, swears under oath that that's what happened, I mean, you can't help but think that this is just theater for these politicians, and they seem to be getting away with it. Well, there's no question at all that, one, they got away with it uh, until or unless we can hold some of them accountable. Uh, and it's one of the reasons that the committee subpoenaed a number of the 51, uh, because, you know, we're going we're gonna to do what you would do when you were a prosecutor before you were a judge. And that is, we're going to give each of them a pass if they want to give us the truth in a meaningful way now uh, about what happened. Uh, But not all 51 can be let off. We're going to have to make it clear uh, that the people who masterminded this, the people who brought this uh, false statement and then uh, cobbled together a very impressive list of people Mm -hmm. uh, in order to change the outcome of an election are held accountable. And as to date, nobody has been held accountable. Yeah. And, you know, the the overarching issue, of course, is preventing American citizens from making a fully informed decision during the 2020 presidential election. Now I'm going to move on to something that uh, is is in the news, and that is uh, Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan, uh, his effort to try to bring 
uh, Mark Pomerantz, a, a former assistant United States attorney who came out of uh, uh, retirement to go into the Manhattan DA's office to assist in the prosecution of Donald Trump and then quits when they don't indict Donald Trump, writes a book. And Jim Jordan is trying to subpoena him. A federal judge wrote a very well-written, as, uh, uh, as you say, 35-page opinion. I heard you on this. And uh, now the Circuit Court of Appeals has come in and said, you know, let's hold this until we get the three-judge panel. So for my viewers, what's happening now is Congress is making a, an argument that you are have a right to hear from the prosecutor. Why, Congressman Issa? Well, you absolutely do. Uh, as you may have heard, I, I side with the, uh, the Court of Appeals on the temporary stay. So does Chairman Jordan. And that is... We want to be fair. We want to make sure that the process goes forward. We have some time, but we don't have all the time in the world. So they'll put the panel together. They'll make the decision. And I believe they're going to look at that 35-page opinion that says you can't write a book and go on TV telling all this and then claim that it's work product and somehow covered by the privilege. Uh, And it was scathing against the DA's attempt to, to in fact, cover up uh, what was – quite frankly, a man who wanted to prosecute, who came there to prosecute, and it wasn't politically right uh, at the time uh, for the DA to do it, and then he later does it. Well, I'm sorry, but uh, he spoke. We want to know the details of this political hatchet job that Mm -hmm. was underway well before it and now is underway again. Well, and the interesting thing is that the argument that, you know, you can't touch us because, you know, we're a local DA's office. So the truth is that Congress has this overarching reach where if you get federal money and you're a prosecutor, and I know that from when I was a prosecutor, you're accountable or answerable to a congressional oversight. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, That happens to be one of the items. But there's another item here, which is we have a a district attorney who engaged people to try to figure out how to prosecute uh, a former president, uh, waited until there was a actual candidate for presidency and is now currently prosecuting the former president. I'm not as interested in the prosecuting of the former president, even though I said it so many times. I'm interested in the idea that you're prosecuting a candidate for president, actually the candidate who is leading in the polls. Uh, That is something we can't tolerate. So there are a myriad of reasons for doing it. Uh, and, And, you know, Jim Jordan and I came out of oversight. Oversight was formed Quite frankly, when Abraham Lincoln saw theft during the Civil War, and he he went and he created the ability for Congress to expand substantially what it was doing and where it was looking, including people selling you know horse meat to the uh, to the Union. Wow. Uh, wow. So we have a long history of going where we need to go. But in the case of election interference or possible election interference that's going on today, you'd better believe there are more than just a few reasons that we've got to get to the bottom of this district attorney's activities, especially when we have, quite frankly, an open book that tells us this was political in nature before it ever happened. Well, yeah, and the, and the truth is that, that Pomerantz, uh, you know, the former assistant U.S. attorney, had quite a reputation himself. Uh, and and to come out of retirement just to go after uh, Donald Trump is Janine, uh, you're being you're being you're being kind. He was a hatchet 
job guy. <laughs> he was a guy that was political from day one. And we're just fortunate that he was so angry that he couldn't do a hatchet job sooner that he wrote a book. Yep. Yep. Well, you know what, Congressman, uh, you, you said it well. I mean, the, the truth is that there is an agenda on the left and uh, the American system of justice too. the ordinary American seems to be uh, lopsided. You know, when someone owes two million dollars in taxes and, uh, and a grand jury has already made a decision. But now we've got an attorney general who says I'm not involved. But a whistleblower says, if you let me come out as a whistleblower and protect me, I can tell you that he's lying. Lying, and that's the Attorney General of the United States. We've got a President of the United States who said, I don't know anything about my son's business activities. I mean, you know, for him to say that, but for Joe Biden to say he didn't know that, why would he lie? That's, isn't that consciousness of guilt? All you have to say is, yeah, my son does stuff all over the world. Nobody would give it a second thought, but the lies are an indication of consciousness of guilt. Oh, absolutely. But let's let's understand as much as, as likable as people found Joe Biden for decades, he has a long history of his brother and now his children profiting off of Uncle Joe and the work he does. Uh, you know, he was always known as the Amtrak congressman because he rode back and forth on the train and claimed to be a common man. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what he's amassed in the way of personal fortune and others around him have uh says something very different. And, you know, look, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been on Air Force One and Air Force Two a few times. I've got to tell you, I can't imagine that you wouldn't talk about why you put your own son from Beijing back to the United States on Air Force Two. It just seems like you'd at least say, hey, son, what were you doing and how did it go in Beijing when you give him a ride home? Yeah, well, not only that, but, you know, uh, I think Joe Biden, uh, there's a few photos of him with some of these people from the Communist Chinese Party uh, or the energy company, I should say, that is in control of uh, that is being controlled by the CCP. But, you know, now it appears that the CCB, CCP is buying a lot of property. And my last question to you, people in America they, you know, they're very uncomfortable. The ordinary American is a very uncomfortable with China and, you know, the spy craft and Joe Biden getting millions. And now it's not just three family members, it's six family members. It's almost like a trust fund coming in from, uh, you know, communist Chinese party connected companies. This is scary stuff. It's extremely scary. And, it, and it's scary, particularly at a time when there's a systematic uh, rape raking of our uh, our data and our information, including all of our personal. This information. is and the Judge Janine Show. I have talked a little bit about AI, and, and it's very hard to explain to people. It's not hard for people to understand that a generation ago there was a uh, a contest between a top chess player and a computer called Watson, and yep. the first time, the first time, the man won, not the machine. That's not true anymore. The speed and accuracy and ability to learn of computers and then to take advantage of, to manipulate data, to manipulate what we see and believe uh, is real and it's going on today. Even the ability to manipulate yours or my voice in a meaningful, real way, all of that is what China is mining and learning and doing. And if we do not create a different China and a different relationship with China, one in which you don't get to bribe the president of the United States directly or indirectly, if we don't change that, 
our union has real threats to its future. Well, I don't think there's any question about that, uh, Congressman Darrell Issa, and that maybe, uh, you know, the issue of AI and, and what it's, how it's going to change uh, all of us. It's a global issue, and the, the frightening part of AI is that already it's being used as a, as a weapon to create uh, voices and images uh, by criminals who simply want to uh, con you and get money out of you. It's a, that's a much longer discussion. But Congressman Darrell Issa from, from California, I thank you so much for joining us on the Tunnel to Towers show. I, uh, I wish you well in your judiciary hearings, and thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks for standing for freedom for so many years, Judge. Thank you. All right. Up next here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will gavel out with my closing argument. It's all coming up here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Judge Jeanine. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Okay, it's now time for me to gavel out with my closing argument. You know, folks, as I listen to uh, Cat Tim today and to Congressman Darrell Issa, you know, when you think about uh, the serious issues that Congressman Issa talked about you know, the Hunter Biden, uh, the letter that all of those intel agents signed, and now Mike Morrell, a Democrat and a deputy director of the CIA, comes out and said, you know, it was a political letter that Anthony Blinken, who is now our secretary of state, kind of gathered us all up and said, we need this letter for the election. You know, you have to be really, really disappointed. Uh, we knew it. We knew it in our hearts. I mean, when the New York Post wrote the article um, about the Biden laptop, uh, and, and I'm not talking about the salacious stuff in it. I'm just talking about the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the emails and the business part and the photos of Joe Biden. We knew that there was corruption going on, but it's very disappointing to hear that heads of the CIA were willing to put their reputation and uh, their credibility on the line for a political operative who is now our Secretary of State to get Joe Biden into the White House. Uh, But uh, after talking with Kat Timp, you realize that um, you know, maybe a little humor is important. Maybe we, got, we ought to lighten up. That doesn't mean we take our foot off the gas. That doesn't mean we don't make people accountable. But we can't be stressed out all the time by what is happening in front of our faces because we know it's happening. I mean, you know, we're not stupid. Americans are very bright. Uh, and it is a difficult time in America right now. But at the same time, I think that it's important for us to make sure that we kind of balance our lives. So uh, I can't believe we're out of time already. Uh, Make sure you join us right back here next week, same time, same place, for the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. I have a great day, everybody, and take care of yourself and laugh a little bit this week. God bless.